It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On MLB Fantasy Minute is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had playing daily fantasy baseball and winning up to 25 times my money. Download the app today and use the code Locked On MLB for a first deposit match up to $100. Exploring my skills on Prize Picks this season adds an extra layer of excitement to daily fantasy sports. With just a few taps, you can transform $10 into $1,000 if you've got the skills. Prize Picks is incredibly user friendly. I can make my selections and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. As the host of Locked On Fantasy Baseball, here are some rock solid picks. Opt for Shohei Otani to have less than 38.5 home runs this season. Opt for Bobby Miller to have higher than 150.5 strikeouts this season. And for Bryce Harper to have higher than 97.5 ribbies this season. Download the app today and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today. Use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Well, that was just about as entertaining a brand of baseball as you probably could have had. And unfortunately, one of us is happier than the other. But there was a lot of good baseball to be had at Camden Yards for the last three days. We are going to take you through it here on this Locked On crossover between Locked On Reds and Locked On Orioles. I'm your host, Jeff Carr, alongside Connor Newcomb. And he got the chance to be at the ballpark on Wednesday night. A lot of great stuff going on. He has a great segment in his ep- his Wednesday episode where he talks about Pride Night and what it meant for the game and the awesome atmosphere that that was. You definitely want to go check that out. Uh, but we have both been long-suffering fans of two teams that really don't ever seem to stop rebuilding. However, we might be seeing the light at the end of the tunnel for both squads and uh connor had a very interesting thought on twitter on on the final game of this series which is one of the main uh drivers for this crossover plus want to look back at some at an interesting game the last time that the reds and orioles faced each other in camden yards uh thanks so much for joining us here on this lockdown crossover and uh connor kind of like i said like uh, the stark similarities that you see and that I see between the 2023 Reds and the 2023 Orioles are just, or 2022 Orioles, sorry, are just so pronounced. Yeah, I mean, big thing is ahead of schedule, right? Like that's where the Orioles were last year was ahead of schedule. And I think what the O's are doing this year, they're also a little ahead of schedule just with how good they've been. But most people thought, okay, 2023 will be the year the Orioles play competitive baseball again. I don't think we thought it would be this competitive, like competing for the AL East competitive, but good baseball. Last year, thought they were going to be still bad. And I think the same thing happened for the Reds coming into this year. I mean, they knew that young talent was coming up. Same with last year. We knew Adley Rutschman was coming to the bigs. We didn't know he was going to make that much of a difference. This year, I think most people knew Matt McClain, Ellie De La Cruz, and company would be in the big leagues this year but didn't know how much of a difference it would make. And it's been fun to see. I think the easiest comparison is that. And the other thing is a 10 plus game winning streak in the middle of the season that kind of catapults you into relevancy. The Orioles had a 10 game winning streak kind of from end of June through early July last year. Reds did it a little bit earlier, but a 12 game winning streak that took them from, Hey, the Reds are playing a little bit better this year to, wow, they're over 500 and in a playoff spot. That's exactly what the O's winning streak did. It, they were about seven or eight games under. It took them over 500. It took them into the wild card race, and that's where they stayed the rest of the year. 
Yeah, that's something that really kind of kind of boggles my mind a little bit because you're right. The Orioles were such a huge surprise last season, and the Reds are this year. Look, I, w- I was saying before the season started that the Reds would win 75 games, and I had a friend bet me Jeff Ruby's dinner based on that win total. He's saying that they would win less, obviously. Looks pretty certain that they're at least going to hover around 500, and I think they've definitely got a shot to win this division. That was probably the only difference between the Reds and the Orioles is that the Orioles happen to play in just the the buzzsaw of the AL East, and the Reds play in the joke might be a strong word, but the weak in the L Central. Let's let's call it. You could say like the 2022 O's and 2023 Reds, talent wise, could be very similar, but competition wise. It's vastly different. I mean, the AL East last year wasn't as good as it is this season because the Red Sox were, I think, more of a disaster last year. But you can still say all five teams last year were trying to get to the playoffs. I don't see that being the case in the NL Central. Now, maybe some of them are just falling backwards into being close to the playoffs because of how the division is set up right now. But the Reds have an opportunity that the Orioles of 2022 didn't have. The two big differences are the opportunity and the Reds just have more young pitching that that's here in the rotation uh, than, than, the, than the Orioles did last year. But generally, they have this opportunity that I wish the O's had last season in that the Orioles won 83 games last year. The Reds can easily win this division with 83 wins. I think that's the yeah. huge difference. Yeah, I don't think it's going to take 90. I don't even know that it'll take 88. I'm with you. I think like 83, 84, 85 probably wins the NL Central. And the more and more that I watch baseball this season, just of other teams, the more and more I look at this and I say the playoffs for both leagues are going to be chock full of West and East division teams. And then whoever doesn't lose the two central divisions, (laughs) like there's no wildcard teams coming out of either uh, AL or NL central side. So I, I love what I'm seeing from that regard. It's like the perfect storm for this Reds team because we had also said we're looking at this rebuild we're looking at how Nick Crawl had kind of traded away a lot of guys that obviously surprised shocked and really kind of appalled a lot of fans but he saw the future he saw where he was going he wanted it to be quick and the more and more that we saw we said okay maybe 2024 we start to open that window never imagined that 2023 would be that way but something else and 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 a great Uh, similarity between the two sides this year that we saw on full display in all three games is that neither team wants to quit and no matter how late in the ball game that it is like I fully expected there in the bottom of the 10th inning because knowing that the Reds were going to have to really dig deep in their bullpen I fully expected that the Orioles might come back there too it's just the way that both these teams are built and that coming into Wednesday's game, both teams had the same amount of comeback wins leading their respective leagues. It's It's been amazing to watch. I think you and I will both uh, possibly need to see a heart doctor at the end of this season, but uh, it's definitely been a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I will say, if that ball from Cruz doesn't somehow hit the knob of Aaron Hicks's bat on crazy. three and one, I was almost convinced we were going to the 11th inning. Yeah. Like he was nowhere near the zone. And I think that being a strike kind of refocused him in that 10th inning, mm-hmm. just getting to reset the review, standing there, realizing, hey, I got away with one. And he, he threw a really good splitter after that to strike out Hicks. But if they load the bases there with Jordan Westberg coming up, who's been swinging it so, so well, and then you get back to the top of the Orioles order because you'd have Frazier next, who just tied the game. Then you get to the top with Mullins. I was convinced 
if that either hit his finger or just didn't hit the knob of the bat, they were going to tie the game. That's, that's, that's how crazy this series was. And he did his job too. Like there was a lot of folks on Red's Twitter that are just like, boy, he looks bad, doesn't he? I'm like, he did his job. Like he sold it. He like, give me the trainer out here. This totally hit my hand. I'm on first. That wasn't a foul ball. And it confused everybody to the point that we thought, oh my gosh, David Bell is challenging a third call. But then we're like, no, it's because the umpire called it a foul ball. And then the Orioles had to challenge and make sure that it didn't actually hit him. Um, I, I find it a fascinating because there's so many different challenge plays that I've seen this year that I'm like, man, do we really have to challenge it? But something like that, like could have been so huge, however they called it on the field. And it, it's just it kind of underscores the, the way this series has gone for the Reds from a bullpen standpoint. I mean, we saw um, the great bullpen arms that Baltimore has between Cano and Bautista Still no idea how Nick Senzel bunted that one. Um, 102 coming right at him. But uh, that took some, as John Sadak said on the TV broadcast, some crab cakes to do. Uh, but when you look at uh, those different guys, they were just so dominant and they look so good. And the Reds relief pitchers largely, I mean, they got the job done, but largely kind of limped through their appearances, showing lots and lots of fatigue. Kind of like you said about the 2022 Orioles, that's something you guys watched. Um, when can we expect the legs to fall out from underneath our, our relief pitchers? Yeah, I would say one thing. The Orioles' bullpen up and down one through eight, probably better last year than the Reds' bullpen is this year. I think they had some guys who in the middle relief core were better. Like yeah. Alexis Diaz versus Felix Bautista, just kind of flip a coin right there. Like both those guys are absolutely dominant. And Shout out to Buck Farmer. When he pitched against the Orioles last year in Cincinnati, he was horrible. Yeah. And granted, he was pretty bad last night too. But in general, I know he's been pretty good this year as, as one of their setup guys. And you know, they they fixed Alex Young at least a little bit to make him a serviceable major league pitcher. Like they've done a good job. Um, I, I mentioned Ian Jabot was like the only guy who really did impress me out of all of them. Like he came in and just one, two, three, we'll see you later. But the one thing that happened to the Orioles is Bautista started to hit the wall. And that is what really snowballed it. Now, the Orioles' bullpen was starting to hit that wall kind of in late August. That's right around when they were still playing good baseball, but they were really in it. And guys just started to tire out. And one thing that's similar to the Reds is they had a lot of relievers who were having career years. That is why the bullpen was so good. And the other thing was, not only career years, a lot of guys who had never spent an entire season in a big league bullpen. Like you had guys like Brian Baker, who was awesome down the stretch last year, but he had pitched in one game in the big leagues before 2022. That was it. Mm. And then he spent the whole year in the bullpen. Joey Crable was a journeyman reliever with the Rays. All of a sudden, he's in the bullpen all year. He got optioned in September because he was just so bad down the stretch because everything fell apart. And we haven't seen him back in the big league since then. So some guys you have to really roll through. And really the cherry on top was Bautista. In about mid-September, he just hit a wall, and he ended up going on the injured list. It was a real injury, but if he had been used a little less, I think he could have pitched through it. It, it was a lower body thing. It wasn't like an arm injury or anything. And guys just started to hit that wall in September, and it was the worst time because the O's entered September two games out of a playoff spot. So you're right there. The thing that has gotten you to this point, and it just kind of fell off the tracks. And I don't even think it was like a talent thing. Yes, a couple of guys started to regress. It was just... Mm -hmm. You had so many rookie relievers 
so many journeyman relievers who had been up down, you know, 4A, AAA shuttle guys who now found something that clicked and they're pitching 60, 65 times in a year for the first time ever. And your body starts to shut down at the end of the season. And that's what I worry about for the Reds this year with same with the O's last year is like even a guy like Diaz has never been in this many high leverage spots throughout an entire season. And you go down from Diaz, you get less and less talent and less and less experience in that bullpen. I will be really interested to see if the Reds supplement it at all to try to avoid what happened to the O's. Because the O's didn't, not only did they not add to the bullpen at the deadline last year, they traded Jorge Lopez away. So they made their bullpen worse at the deadline and just kept on rolling. And that obviously hurt too. I'm going to clip that, I think, and play that in late August because we've we've been talking about this. Steve and I have been talking about this for like a month now because David Bell manages every game. And credit to him. I mean, he's on a contract year. He's got to earn another contract, but he kind of manages every game like it's game seven of the World Series. I mean, we saw yesterday Luke Weaver thankfully calmed down. I mean, the the first inning was just, but he calms down retires 10 straight then starts to allow some base runners there in the fifth and David and David Bell's like all right we're pulling you I'm like I almost kind of felt like that was a situation where I wanted to see if he could pitch through it because he's just been a guy that the more and more I watch him the more and more I think that he's not the guy and I think that it's time to move on from him but more than that there's a value in saving the bullpen like we we talked about a couple of guys that came up in nights before like Jake Wong and and guys like that who pitched that were just like this guy's not going to be here very long, but he gave the Reds three innings and that was three innings that they didn't have to use anybody else. And they're going to have to look forward to, to some things like that. But speaking of look forward, I want to look forward here in just a minute and see what our two teams might do around the trade deadline, new game day shirt, boom, cash back food for the tailgate. Boom, cash back. Even buying a round can earn you cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. In sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the win, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Did I mention there are no fees, period? This one is a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. But before we do that, I want to look back because... Now that baseball has these uh, balanced schedules and you get to play everybody at least once throughout the season in one series, uh, home or away, we're going to see more of the Reds at Camden Yards. But up until this season, the Reds hadn't been to Camden Yards since 2014. And like I said, both of our teams have been through prolonged rebuilds or rebuilds off of rebuilds or you know, builds that didn't actually happen. So they had to build it up again. Anyway, it's been a long time in 2014. These were what the lineups looked like. You had, um, Nick Markakis leading off for the Orioles. You had Jason Borgio leading off for the reds. And I'm pretty sure I pronounced that right. Um, cause I never knew how to pronounce it whenever he was here, but looking at the lineups for both teams and, and, and obviously I know you're going to look back in very fondness with Adam Jones. And, 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 uh, you know, your JJ Hardy and Chris Davis and guys like that, that was, I think that was still when Chris Davis wasn't striking out 400% of the time. That was an interesting uh, Chris Davis year, uh, 2014. 
<laughs> yeah, he, man, he had a fall out there. But just looking back at this line, so there is, it was in, and burying the lead here, the Reds got swept in this series against Can, against the Orioles and Candom Yards. Orioles won the final game nine to seven with a cast of pitchers that included uh, Chris Tillman for the Orioles starting, Mike Ace. Leak for the Reds starting. Like looking back on this kind of a team is so much fun. Yeah, and, and and I know it's different for both these teams because this is the last time the Orioles won the AL East. This is 2014. This is 96 win Orioles. This is goes to the ALCS team. Um, and you're even looking at a lineup that wasn't as good as it was to start the year. You know, you're looking at why is Kelly Johnson starting at third base? Why is Alejandro <laughs> Deaza hitting second playing left field? Well, the Orioles lost Manny Machado and Matt Wieters before this series for season-long injuries, and mm-hmm. they really missed those guys that year and, and was one of the reasons they didn't get over the hump and into the World Series in 14. But if I remember correctly, I believe Miguel Gonzalez threw a complete game in this series for the Orioles. I, I may have to look back at the at the box scores for one of the other games. Um, just, just looking at this, I mean, Nick Hundley with three RBIs is awesome. They traded for him from San Diego after Weeders went down with the injury early in that year, and Hundley just kind of became their starting catcher for the rest of the season. I mean, quite a journeyman he was. Nelson Cruz, in his one year in Baltimore when he led the league in homers, and then the O's said, you're too old to get a four-year contract, and nine years later, <laughs> he's still in the big leagues. Um, so that's always a good one. Um, but yeah, this is uh, this is definitely fond memories. Looking at the red side, though, I mean, besides Todd Frazier, what's going on here? Yeah, <laughs> and, and the fact that Devin Mesoraco was four for four in this game with four RBIs and just didn't get any help. Like Todd Frazier had no for you had Jason Borgio and Ramon Santiago batting one, two. I, I don't think if you'd have asked any sort of trivia question ever that I would have ever guessed that Ramon Santiago batted in the top third of the Reds order, but here we are. Uh, Donald Lutz, he did have an RBI in this game where he, um, I think this was actually the thing that caused Tillman to lose the win because Chris Tillman pitched a, co- a quality start in this six innings and three runs allowed. And um, then they brought in Brad Brock. Brad Brock blew up. And then it was Tommy Hunter and Donald Lutz against Tommy Hunter came through and tied the game. But then, of course, the Reds bullpen from that point uh, continued to blow up because that was Manny Parra who got the loss for the Reds. And um, the final two pitchers are just peak. Now, I did like Sam LeCure, and Sam LeCure's on the broadcast now for the Reds in the pre- and the post-game, but Jumbo Diaz. Nice. A lot of Reds fans remember Jumbo Diaz, and not really for good reasons, but (laughs) (laughs) he's he's a guy that was on this team. It's it's just amazing to look back and see this. And you are right. I did look at the box. It was the game before this that Miguel Gonzalez pitched a complete game shutout. Um, And actually, I mean, yeah, it was that final game there – I think it was September 4th is what I marked down on my notes. Um, but September 4th, that was the 82nd win of the season for the Orioles. And the Reds at this point were 66 and 74. So it was two totally different teams in that yeah. year. With that lineup, that's pretty impressive that they were only eight games under 500. Right. But that was that was pretty close. That was about a week or 10, I believe like 10 days uh, before the Orioles clinched the division that year. Because not only did they win 96 games, the rest of the East was pretty bad that year. The Orioles clinched in like mid-September, which was awesome. And that was back when they still had 40-man rosters in September. So you want to talk about lineups? Some of the guys at the O's were throwing out there the last two weeks of the year after they had clinched the division. 
it was hilarious. The guys that they were getting at bats just to, you know, keep guys healthy, keep arms healthy as well. Like the guys they were bringing out of the bullpen. Um, that was a fun time. Those last two weeks of that year. Um, but yeah, that was, a, that was a, that was definitely a fun Oriole year. Seeing and just to look back, uh, the Miguel Gonzalez uh, complete game shutout. The lineup for that game for the Reds was much better. Billy Hamilton let off. Frazier batted second. You had Phil, Brandon Phillips still on the team. Jay Bruce, Ryan Ludwig. So that was the so when you look at that lineup, you almost say, boy, that team was that far under 500. But that's when the Reds were really starting to hit that point of we need to hit the reset button. And they just refused to for the next year because they're like, well, we got the All-Star game in 2015. We're not going to hit the reset button before we do that. And so that started a whole process that led us to the point where Nick Crawl had to kill everything and trade guys away. And that's uh, why we are where we are and why we're hoping that this uh, window really is opening for the Reds. And as we move forward, do you see the Orioles making a lot of moves at the trade deadline? A lot of moves? No. Moves? Yes. Big moves? Also no. That is kind <laughs> of how I see the Orioles. I think they'll add to the margins of the roster, just like they did this offseason. I'd love to see the splash for an ace. I just don't think it's going to happen, to be honest. Yeah, that's where I am, there's a lot of people saying, let's go get Shane Bieber. Let's go get uh, Eduardo Rodriguez or something like that. I'm like, it's going to cost too much. And there's no reason. And, and I think the Orioles are in the same boat when it comes to the explanation as to why. There's no reason to trade your top prospects who are so close to the major leagues to go get a rental. Like, you're going to have this talent for years and years to come. No reason to market it now. Yeah, and, and for the O's, it'll be interesting because, you know, can they argue that, okay, we've fixed Grayson Rodriguez again. We're going to bring him back up from AAA for a second time. That's the starter we add. We're going to get John Means back, you know, in August or September. Is that another starter we add? Yeah, maybe those arguments come. Maybe they add like a, you know, a number four or five guy to just sure up the back end of the rotation. I, I honestly, Jeff, I had to make a prediction. I think the Orioles will add like a really solid middle reliever at mm -hmm. the deadline. Just a guy who can like be a veteran Michael Givens and Dylan Tate have been on the injured list all year. Those are supposed to be their two veteran relievers. They're both have now started and ended rehab assignments twice without getting back to the big leagues. They keep piling up the injuries. I don't think they're going to come back this season. Jeez. So I think they need a similar guy to one of those two names to just be the kind of settling veteran in the pen. And then I can see like a, you know, it's not going to be a Shane Bieber or a Corbin Burns or whomever. I can see like a, I mean, I don't even know what name it would be because it's tough to like parse out who a four or five starter that yeah. would be available would, would would be a guy that they would add. But that's kind of what I see them doing is just adding to the back of the rotation, adding a bullpen piece and promoting their prospects from within and just continuing on. I could see the Orioles being in the market for Lance Lynn as well. I was looking at Lance yes. Lynn being being the kind of guy that I think the Reds should go after. Like his underlying stats say he's been very unlucky and – He's only got a little bit left on his deal, and I doubt that the White Sox are going to ask a ton for him. They just want to get something at this point. So, yeah, that's probably going to be a reason. Like, And as much as I want the Reds to make a move, they're in the same spot. Like, There's a lot of guys that they just need to figure out if they're going to be part of this team for the future. And so we kind of got to grin and bear it a little bit with guys like Brandon Williamson that he's got the talent. It's just he hasn't shown it yet, at least on a consistent basis. And I don't know, like – 
Luke Weaver's not the guy, but you're going to call up somebody probably in Connor Phillips or Christian Rowe or something like that. I don't, maybe not Christian Rowe, but yeah, there's lots to figure out with this team. It's not a finished product by any stretch of the imagination. Yet here we are in first place. Oof. Go figure. Go figure. It's a, it's a crazy time to be a Reds fan. It's a crazy time to be an Orioles fan, but both teams have their sights set on the postseason this year, which is fun to say. Yeah, it's it, it feels good. You know, the Reds at least have been there recently-ish. I know 2020 season was Mickey Mouse ball, but, like, you know, they, they got to play postseason games a little more recently. The O's haven't been since 2016. That was Zach Britton never leaves the bullpen. They haven't won a postseason game or played a postseason series since 2014, since that year we put up. So it, it's been a little while. You know, I'm not saying we're like Mariners fans or anything. It hasn't been 20 years, but it's been a little while. Um, and just to see a postseason game, just to watch a postseason game. And, you know, I've, I've been hosting this podcast since 2020. I've never gotten to cover a postseason game for the O's. They've been terrible until the last sure. year and a half. Um, so that would be that would be nice, too. I, I would like to cover a postseason game where the Reds score a run. I'm looking forward <laughs> that, to that. That, um, that too, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, manif- we'll, we'll end the crossover today by manifesting this. We said this before the show. Reds, Orioles, World Series – I mean, you're talking about the perfect situation here that this could happen where the Reds and the Braves and the NLCS, just amazing uh, entertainment. It'll kill me, but it'll be amazing entertainment. Uh, you'll have Orioles, Rays, and the ALCS, amazing entertainment. And then Reds, Orioles, World Series, baseball's back. Let's go. Yeah, it's a take us back to the 1970s right there. Big Red Machine and Earl Weaver's Orioles. Fast forward to 2023. Let's do it. 1970. Oof. Looking back through history, that was a bummer. I, I, I wish I would have been alive to see. It. Anyway, that's how we're going to end today's crossover. Thank you, everyone, for checking out today's uh, Lockdown Reds, Lockdown Orioles crossover. A little bonus content for you here on this Thursday. Off day for the Reds. I didn't see, are the Reds or the Orioles off today as well? Off day as well, yes. We're both relaxing. And whenever our teams are back, you can check out their every hometown pitch through SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search the word Reds or the search the word Orioles. But for Connor Newcomb and myself, this has been a Lockdown Crossover. Uh, make sure you check out our next episodes coming up. Thank you to all of our everydayers. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Lockdown podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.